need to say a couple of things quickly. Because we've got so much time, the team did awesome this morning. Can I just, um, I just need to get a survey, is that all right, really quickly? So I need just a show of hands. Um, who wants to know more about what's going on here in relation to LifeSource and development for our new school for next year? Awesome. So that's pretty much all of you. Well, I'm going to let you down because I'm not going to give you the update today. But it's a good little segue to say, get your tickets early this week because next week, maybe we'll give you, maybe we will give you an update. But what I'm really thinking of doing is the next time I preach, which is not next week, is that right? I believe Micah's on next week, the week after. I'll actually give you as an update and a vision talk and a sense of what's going on. Does that sound okay? Everyone's happy with that? You all want to know what's going on? Well, in two weeks' time, we'll know more. How's that sound? So get your tickets booked early this week because you might hear some things next week, but definitely book in for the week after. Is that okay? Everyone's online? We're all good with that? The second thing I want to say is thank you very much for all your generosity and your giving um, throughout the COVID season and, and even this month. Um, we're pretty be- we've been really blessed because the church's response to, um, to gener- with generosity to see, um, like I said before, Pastor Mike has been able to be, uh, come on staff and be a part of the team here, and that's all because of your generosity as a church. So how about you give yourselves a big clap and pat on the back. Um, if you want to know more about how to give, uh, you can give online very simply, or if you still like to give in person and give physically, there is a giving box down the back which you can leave an envelope in. And, um, and we can count the cash during the week. So, fantastic. See, it didn't take long at all, did it? Awesome. Thank you so much. So we got uh, a PowerPoint, I believe. Now, I didn't do the PowerPoint, but uh, I think we're in for a really exciting day. Who's, who's up for an exciting morning in the sense of the word that's going to come? Yeah? Um, we're trialling something different. Is that okay? So if you've been coming to Life Source for a little while now, then you would know that we hold four significant values. Can anyone tell me what those four significant values are and not one of the pastors? Put your hand down, Rod. That's right. <laughs> Tim, what's one of our values? Service. Service. Fantastic. See, so now we're on the, on the roll. Second one? Another one? Cesar? Community. Okay, we're there. Thank you. Jamie's happy about that one. Someone remembered him. Uh, there's two more. We're halfway. Oh, that was our old um, that was our old vision statement, but it's still part of what we're doing. Amen. Missions. That's all good. Mary kept her mouth really quiet with that one. She's like, nope, not saying that one. <laughs> well done to you, Meredith. There's one more, and it's actually what we're going to talk a little bit about today. It was mentioned in the new song written by by our music team. So. Grace, fantastic. (laughs) We even gave you the answer, fantastic. So if you've been coming here for a while, then you understand that there's four significant values that we hold really dear, and you got them all right. Kudos to you. It's a standard that we want to live by. It's a sort of a culture that we believe that we're empowered to live. But it's interesting because these values really do underpin all that we believe and do here at LifeSource. In fact, these values came, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but at the time when we were walking, working through 
all of the things, what was important for us as a church and our vision statement and how God was calling us. Our four values actually came out of a survey from everyone that was in the church at the time. And, and, and everything that was, was written down as being dear to, to uh, members in, uh, of the congregation at that time really drove the, the formulation of these four values as what really underpins our ministry here at the church. But what happens is uh, that these are four pillars that really rise from the foundations that we as a church are built upon. And does anyone know, and I was only speaking of this a couple of weeks ago, what is the foundation that our church is built upon? Can anyone tell me that? Say that loud. Jesus. Fantastic, Vicky. Jesus being our chief cornerstone. Do you remember? That the church, the church only exists if we've got the right foundation. And the right foundation is Jesus Christ. Amen. So from this foundation of Jesus, the next thing that builds upon the foundation really is our vision that, that builds upon what Jesus has called us to be. Does that make sense? Does anyone know our vision statement? Ooh, this is a testing service today, isn't it? If I said to you, our starting of our vision is to be as one. Inspiring faith, imparting hope, and expressing love. Well done, guys. You got it there. You were working through it, and you got there. That, that's really the, the very next block that was put on. That's, that's what guides us and leads us. And everything that we talk about, you notice it comes through. We're talking about being expression of Jesus. We talk about being one in the faith, being one in the vision, being one moving together to Barnabas' house to do a working bee. Is that right? As many as we can get. Why? Because we're called to do this in unity. Well, if that's the next block that gets put down, really it's the values that are the four pillars that rise up out of that vision. Is that right? The four, the four pillars that are establishing who we are as a church. And I sat back as, a, as, as, as your senior pastor when I first stepped in and I said, what? And I looked at our four values and I said, you know, there's just something missing. And I couldn't put my finger on it. So I did some reading and some praying and I did some research and you know, every other church that sort of goes through this process, usually somewhere along the line, they've, they've got one extra little thing in there that they would say would be one of their values. And I'm thinking, what, what is it? Because ours really works well. It's four, it's neat, it's great, it looks great on a picture. But it's like, you know, like, but really, God spoke to me and he said, it's not a value, it's really the picture of the church, the four values should be creating something. It shouldn't be held up as something as a value, but it should create an atmosphere, an environment. And really, what I was looking for was, and, and Pastor Rod might even remember this, because I used to speak a lot about it in our oversight meetings and things. And it's like, we're really missing this key called discipleship. Anyone here where I'm at? This key called discipleship. And I'm like, but it's not a value. It's actually the result of having a life that's built upon the, the, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, who gives us a vision and causes us to grow up into unity. And those four values that we hold dear as a church, they produce us to be disciples. Because Jesus said this one thing, go forth and make disciples. He didn't say go forth and make believers. Is that right? 
So, so when you look at the church and the structure and the way Jesus leads and builds his church, because that's what the word tells us. It's Jesus who builds his church. What we see is the result is that we should see strong disciples. Is that right? Mm. And from there, we start to see the capping stone, the, the growth, the desires of the church. And I just wanted to start this morning's message giving us that foundation of why our values are so important. Because if one of those four values falls down, we, we start to see weaker disciples. Is that right? Can I use that kind of language? Is that okay to Like weaker in something. When we look at community, if we're not involved in a community, then we're isolated and we, we're actually more susceptible to, to attack. When we're not involved in the mission of God, then we've lost purpose. Is that right? Whether it be a local mission or an overseas mission, if we're not involved then we're not really truly disciples because disciples follow the cause of Jesus. If, we're not, if our lives are not built upon this, this, this foundation of serving God, which is ultimately my worship, my acceptable worship unto God, then I fall down again as a disciple. There's this weakness that comes. Well, grace is like that as well. It's a solid pillar and from the pillar of grace, we come to understand worship. We come to understand the word of God and our prayer life and our community and our service and our mission and our grace. They cause us to grow up to be more like Jesus. Who doesn't want to be more like Jesus? So, so today we're going to start a new series, but we're going to do it a little bit different. I'm all right on time, okay. We're going to do it a little bit different. We're going to do four weeks over four months. And we're going, to, we're, going to do a, we're going to play a game. Your pastors are going to play a game, and we're going to play a game called Tag Your It. Everyone say, Tag Your It. Yeah, so today we're going to break our message up into three parts, and we're going to play Tag Your It. And we're going to give three points on grace from three different perspectives. Is that okay? And we're going to do this once a month over the next four months, and then in between that we're going to open up more of that value of whatever we're focusing on. And we chose to do grace this time because Pastor Micah has stepped into this role to oversee and to build up this portfolio of grace within the church. And I'm really excited about that because part of that is actually seeing discipleship and discipline and, and, and serving God and all that come into play through this concept of the grace of God in our life. Who's excited about that? Are you ready then to play a game of tag your it? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we are built upon a solid foundation. It is an immovable foundation. It is the name and person of Jesus Christ, our chief cornerstone. From there, you build your church. You give us the direction. And you build us up and you make us strong and firm to become the disciples that you've called us to be. Lord, over this next four months, I pray that we will begin to understand the values that you have placed on us, that they will not just be values written on a wall, but they will become our culture, become who we are, and become, Lord, just that sense of natural Christian living. Open our hearts up today to understand and to know more and to be empowered by your spirit of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So before the renovations, you might remember those four icons, those four pictures were on the wall just over here behind our sound desk. 
And they were four uh, beautiful colours, four beautiful pictures, and I think we've got one of them up here for us. You might remember that, that one picture of grace. They were there to remind us about our values, and you might remember there were some little descriptions that were under those. Grace gives you this picture that it's by grace I have been saved. That's what Paul says, isn't it? It's by grace that I've been saved. It's the grace of God. It's a gift of God that I can come before God saved by the blood of the Lamb. Now, that's the foundation of grace, but it's not the only understanding of God's grace. God's unmerited favor is but one side of the perfect picture of grace. Is that right? Yep. So grace is more than unmerited favor. It's more than the salvation of Jesus. In fact, when we walk through the door of salvation, Jesus talks about himself in a parable as the door. When you walk through the door under salvation or the gate, you realize there's more to experience on the other side than on the side that you came from. There's, a, there's an openness to experience, and that's what grace really is. While Jesus is the doorway, grace is the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to assist us to live the called life as a son or daughter of God and to grow us into the likeness of Jesus. To choose right from wrong and to live surrendered to Jesus and his call. That's what grace really is for us. It's his empowering presence, the power of his Holy Spirit to guide and to lead us. We've got a document um, that was produced by Pastor Rod and the eldership a number of years ago now, and it's our vision and values. And I'll read to you what grace, um, what we've captured as grace within that document. It says, we believe in the transformed life through the grace of God. So grace captures this whole idea of transformation. It's a realization of God's grace in our life will lead to a desire to worship and become more intimate with our Savior. The flying eagle is a beautiful picture of the majesty and freedom which flows from the relationship of intimacy and worship. The seemingly effortless way that the eagle soars on the thermals gives us a picture of how God intends our life to be. God's empowering presence enables us to live a victorious life. We do not deny there will be times of hardship and trouble. However, in those times, we rest in the knowledge of who we are in Christ, giving us the ability to soar above our circumstances and see them in their true perspective. This does not come naturally, but requires discipline. Oh, that's a harsh word, isn't it? And the power of the Holy Spirit. So without grace... What we're left with, really, is a set of rules and walking in our own strength. Is that right? Which Jesus never once called us to do. The church was actually set free from walking according to rules and regulations. As Pastor Rodney so eloquently shared last week, 600-odd rules that were came in by the time that Jesus was around. There's other documents that say that by that time, even more like 3,000. Could you imagine just being living under rule and regulation, rule and regulation, rule and regulation. But Jesus came to fulfill the law, as we heard last week. But you see, grace, without it, 
we are still driven by our natural tendencies to create laws and regulations. I had a conversation during the week. It was Friday with um, Graham. Graham and I went down and we saw a, a man in regards to some business. And I won't mention his name and I won't mention his business, but this man is a, a, a Catholic, but I would believe a very devout Catholic, someone who's in a journey of seeking Jesus to his full. A beautiful man, a man who, uh, you know, I'm actually proud to call a brother. And he, he's asking all of the questions about what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. It was amazing. And we're sitting there and talking and, and the questions start coming up. And, and he talks to me about an encounter he had with the Holy Spirit. And he tells me this story of how, how he, he'd been working hard at work all day. It was a Saturday and he, he just wanted to get home and spend time with his three daughters. And when he got home, it was really late, but his wife said to him, hey, how about we go to Mass? And he said, that was the last thing I wanted to do. And, and he begrudgingly said, okay, I'll go to Mass. And it took a little bit of convincing and the twisting of the arm. And they head off to Mass, and he says, I'm sitting there, and I have no idea what the priest said, but I know I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because I walked into that place, head down, shoulders down, completely lost and broken, and I walked out of that place knowing joy. I walked out of that place knowing that I can achieve it and I can do it. I walked out of that place knowing that with God I can, I, I can accomplish all things. And he said, the priest wasn't even talking about that. He said, I know I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I said, you've had an encounter with grace. And it was like a foreign term to him. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is quite... Amazing. And we talked about rules and regulations. And he said to me, he said to me, well, but grace. And I talked to him about grace. And he said, but doesn't that mean, doesn't that mean that, that if, if you live by grace as a born-again Pentecostal believer, does that mean that you will test that and say, I want to do what I want to do and not what Jesus wants to do? <laughs> Good work, Pastor Rodney. And he said, does that mean that you've got license to do whatever? And, and I, said, I said, well, for me, if you're justifying your life and saying that you can do whatever you want and you're starting to fulfill the things that you want to do that are opposite to what God wants to do, then you're living in licentiousness, which is actually the opposite of grace. It's taking it. And I said, I would actually question that person and I would question whether they've actually encountered Jesus or not. But you see, I'm talking to a man that understands God by rules and regulations. And he, his automatic response to me about grace was, well, well, does that mean you're going to step into license? And that's the challenge, isn't it? While I'm under rules and regulations and being controlled by a stick, then, I could, then I'm going to conform to whatever theology and doctrine I believe. But when I'm free and I haven't yet devoted my life to Jesus, then I'm overruling or, or I'm, I'm doing the things that actually don't please Jesus. And this is where grace really comes in. Because we've got one side which is over the top and the other side which is also over the top. Neither of them reflect God in any way, shape or form. So we discuss the law and we discuss licentiousness but grace is really the very thing that sits in the middle. 
Grace is like the middle road, or in fact, Jesus would use this term. It is the narrow road that we would walk to find salvation. It's only the single road. It's kind of my life pendulums from law to licentiousness. But when my life is focused upon grace, I'm walking in grace. As a person, we usually are governed by law or live outside the law. But you see, Jesus is the law and the grace to live free from it. And this is my picture for you for today. Before I go tag. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. It says this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Does that sound good? I've got no might when I'm living in licentiousness. But when I'm living under grace, I can do all things in Christ. I might be overpowered when I'm living under the rule of law. I might be overpowered by whoever's governing me. But by grace, I'm an overcomer. Is that right? It continues. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Who's experienced weariness and exhaustion in your life? Absolutely. But they that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isn't that an amazing promise? But the connection there is those who wait upon the Lord. Now we can, we can play around with that waiting and we can talk about that we're just sitting down like Pastor Jamie, relaxed and waiting for his turn. Right? Or we can see it like a waiter, where we're busy preparing and doing the things and serving the person that needs to be waited upon. Now there's two things there, but I like to see it this way. Grace comes down to waiting on the Lord which means this, abiding in Jesus and allowing him to renew us like that picture of the eagle. When we abide in Christ, when we abide in his way, when we're following his grace, when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to outwork in our life, God renews us. He renews our mind the same way as he renews the feathers upon the eagle. The eagle's sitting up there perched high on the mountain and he's plucking the feathers out so that the new ones would grow. God's taking the law and the license out of your life by his grace and you're being made into the image of Christ so that you may soar in the updrafts of his power. This is what grace really is as a picture for our life. And it comes down to not you striving for it or not you living in a licentious, free attitude, but it comes in abiding in the purposes of God. And I think that's a fantastic little segue as I tag my brother. What do you reckon? Come on, bro. Discipline. So he gives it to the unruly kid. 
That's right. So, Pastor Steve was talking about abiding. And in abiding wholeheartedly, that just, that's just being in God's presence and just allowing ourselves to be shaped by God and allowing those feathers to be plucked out. And a lot of those feathers get plucked out. And the word that we would use for that, I believe, is what we would call discipline. And abiding in Christ ought to draw us in to the practices of discipline and obedience. Because in knowing God... Our love isn't fully expressed unless we are obeying God. That's just like any father would say to his child. Do as I say, not because you're going to get a whack across the head, but it would be the greatest example of your love for a parent. When you, Jesus, Jesus says, you will do as you, you'll show me your love as you do what I say. It's actually in our obedience to him and in our love for him and in our disciplining of our lives to be able to be shaped by Him, that grace is really outworked in our lives, and we can respond to that grace. So I've got a scripture here in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus pretty clearly states that the Christian life is not for the faint-hearted. He promises tribulation. He promises trial. And in, that, in the idea that we are being transformed, being renewed, having our feathers plucked, it's so that when we live through this life that we live today, that he still gives us peace. He promises that peace if we will abide in what Pastor Steve was saying. If we will abide in his presence and abide in his laws. But how does, it, how does one abide? How do we abide? How do you abide in God? It takes discipline, really. I was reading a book recently, and it talks about righteous sweat. Talks about it. it takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of us making sure that we are staying in line and abiding in Christ. So what are some of the ways that we're able to abide in Christ, to be disciplined in Christ? Four simple ways, very simple ways. Read your word, spend time in prayer, be actively worshiping wherever you are, and be in continual thanksgiving. Continually. I know, then the first two, I've sang it before. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. Simple, very simple acts. Very, very simple acts. But without the discipline in our lives and, 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 and making that commitment to be spiritually disciplined in these acts, it's hard, it becomes hard and we're swayed by the world very easily if we don't create these habits and we, cre we don't create time, we don't create space to be reading our word and spending time in prayer, to be actively worshipping. Now you've heard me... 
up here talk about worship. I love to worship. But I, I love to talk about the whole idea of worship being a lifestyle rather than just a time to sing and to worship with a song. So worship is much more than that. Worship is you going up and getting to work on time. I'm, I don't even do that a lot, do I? Worship is, worship is the way that you wake up and the attitude that you're in and the, the thoughts that first come to mind and the first actions that you do in the morning. Let that be an act of worship. Worship is so much more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you were required. It's a song. I'm going to speak to you in songs. I'm a worship leader. I can't help it. But there's, it's, a, it's an idea that worship is an absolute whole. It's a lifestyle that takes up all of us, every bit of us. And worshiping in reading the Word, worshiping through our prayer life, and worshiping in having a heart that's continu- it's always from a perspective of thanksgiving. Always giving thanks. In all things, I'm giving thanks. In every situation, I'm giving thanks. Going back to the scripture in John 16, through every tribulation, I'm still continuing to give thanks because I'm only alive because of the power that is within me in Christ. Amen? So if, if I'm living out this life, tribulations and trials, are, they're always going to be around. Thankfully, Christ is always going to be around as well. Therefore, that peace and that abiding nature is always within us. So discipline, discipline is, as soon as you hear the word discipline, everyone just like shudders. They, oh, discipline. <laughs> but there's always two sides of discipline. Yeah? Let's go to it now. I'm going to, it came to mind. A practice of discipline and obedience sets us up to be able to thrive and endure during tribulations of life we live in. Now, discipline, when we talk about it, is, all, is sometimes, oh, a lot of the time, is an afterthought. But if we choose to be disciplined now, okay, let me put it like this. Um, I want to be a good runner. I want to be good at running. There's a marathon coming up at the end of the year. I want to be able to run it well. If I am disciplined now, I won't be so, I won't be caught off guard come December when the race is on and then get disciplined by the fact that I can't make it to the halfway mark. Does that make sense? So if my discipline is enacted now, then I don't pay the price for it later on. So that's what Jesus is talking about. When he's talking about in John chapter 16, he's saying, if you will choose to be disciplined now, then the tribulations, they're coming anyway, regardless of what you're doing. They're coming for you. (laughs) But if you will choose to be disciplined now, now, today, this afternoon, when you have nothing to do and you pick up your phone, and the Bible app, you have to actually go into where all the other apps are. But Facebook is right there. And Instagram is right there. But a little bit of discipline will open the app and allow you to read for five, ten minutes. And that discipline now will bear fruit later on. On the other hand, in putting off these disciplines, we open ourselves up to being disciplined by our circumstances. Like I said, when you actually come to the day of the race, 
it's not going to look good for you. <laughs> That's why you're going to find discipline. So it's either discipline today or discipline tomorrow. Which one do you want? Understanding that the idea of discipline in the context of grace is always in the former. We're looking to abiding God's grace now. I want to live in God's grace right now. I want to claim that grace for me now. Therefore, I will choose to be in discipline and obedience now. Not for a later time. That's it for me. I'm going to take my brother in. Morning. How good is it when God just does things coincidentally? <laughs> I'm really glad that he used John 16.33. You know, these guys are really smart. They PowerPointed all their stuff. I didn't do that, but I don't really care. But I just wanted to see what God was going to do. Um, let's read from Romans chapter 8. And because we don't have the PowerPoint, we've got to go old school and you've got to use your Bible. Unless you have your Bible on your phone. God bless you really hard. <laughs> okay, Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 and basically to the end of the chapter. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Hallelujah. We who did not he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God is for us because of the completed work of Jesus Christ concerning his death for the atonement of sin and his resurrection for our reconciliation and empowerment. This was the single greatest expression of God's love. Okay, because Jesus did what he did, I am so perfectly positioned in his love. It's like, okay, God lives inside me, right? God lives inside you. Does Jesus live inside you? Okay, you live inside God as well. You live inside God as well. You're in the throne room with God now. You're in the most secure place in and out of creation, whether the physical or the spiritual realm. You have the most secure position, and it is right inside God's heart. It is inside his love. You are the most protected, vindicated, loved, cherished, valued thing. You are the object of God's love. You. Wow. 
the God of the universe. You are the object of his affection. He is consumed by you. That is incredible. Oh, man. <laughs> it didn't hit me until now. God's single greatest expression of love was for you. And he made the whole universe. Wow. Because of that, no lawyer can come up to you and lay any charge against you because he's completely vindicated you. He took that charge himself. No devil can come and snatch you away from God because no devil... The devil has zero power over God and because of that he has zero power over you. Absolutely zero. There is literally nothing the devil can do to snatch you away from God. Nobody can do anything to take you away from God. You are in the most secure position. God has every single guard up and nothing is getting in to take you away. However, there is one way that I can be taken away from God's love and that is I have the free will to walk out. He has every guard against anything coming in, but he will not lift a finger to stop you from walking away because he loves you enough to stay with him or to leave him. What incredible love. <clears throat> so discipline. Seems to be a reoccurring theme today. What's the purpose of discipline? It's not so that I can achieve victory, but it's so that I can know what victory lies within me already. I used to think victory was something I walk into when I understand God more. That, that's not it at all. Victory already lives inside me. It's already completed inside me. My mind renewal is just when I understand it. And just live in it. What's discipline for? It's not to achieve victory. Jesus already did it. He already achieved victory. My discipline is so that I can bask in the victory that he won for me. He's already conquered the town and I walk into it like a conqueror and I didn't do anything. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> My discipline is so that I can know that Christ already overcame and so that I can just rest in that. Jesus overcame. Jesus achieved victory. Not me. I'm totally safe. I'm totally secure. And I'm at rest. That's pretty chill, isn't it? Whew! Bask in it. Share it with the world. That's all. Bask in God's victory and share his victory with everybody you meet. That's all you've got to do. That's why we're more than conquerors. We didn't do any conquering. We just get to share it with everybody else. Hallelujah. Which is a really switch around. It's, a, it's sort of a switch around in my thinking because I used to think that I had to fight the devil all the time. But I don't need to fight the devil. He's already been beaten. If I really want to punch him in the face, I just got to know whose I am. Strut my stuff. That's grace. Know whose you are and strut your stuff. 
I'm actually going to leave it there. That's my glory point. Know whose you are and strut your stuff. You're already a conqueror. You've already won. Can you stand with me? Let's pray. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. You have already overcome. We take heart in that. We don't need to achieve victory. You've already done it within us. Thank you so much. We love you. And thank you that we're the object of your affection. We are completely secure in you. Nothing can take us away. And we don't ever want to walk away. So Lord, help us to be disciplined by you. So that we can learn to listen to your voice instead of the devil's. So that his silver tongue wouldn't ever convince us, did God really say. But that we would always go right back to the word and right back into your arms and know exactly what you said. Jesus, have your way in us. We thank you that you've done it all. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. How was that, eh? That was pretty cool. Bits of nuggets in there. I'm going to invite our band back, and I'm going to ask them to play that last song in Taking Us Out, the song that you guys wrote. Um, we're going to close our service off there, but not officially close. We're going to allow it to be open for the next five or ten minutes for you to, to gather around and meet and to talk to people in this room. Um, if, you, if you do need to leave in a hurry, make sure you, you see one of our deacons or one of our ushers on the way out and just, just tell them you love them or something like that. You know, just, you've received something today. It's, it's a grace thing to be able to pass that on. Okay? So, um, but, but also, while you're here communicating and listening to the song, just as you're starting to talk to each other, listen really carefully to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Maybe something jumped out of the service today for you. Maybe you want to share that with someone and encourage them. If you need prayer, how about the person you're talking to? How about you just be honest with them and say, hey, can you pray for me in this situation? Because you don't need a pastor to pray for you. We are all the righteousness of God. We are all empowered and endured with the grace of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this this moment, this closing of our service, it's not just about fellowship, it's about community. And a community looks out for one another. Okay? So allow the grace of God to flow through you as a vessel of His power, a vessel of His kingdom, and say, I'm listening to what you're saying. Can I pray for you before you leave? Amen? Can we do that as a church, as a family today? Look for the opportunity to pray for someone as our service finishes. God bless you and lead us out to
Start today. 